Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris, and this week I'm looking for the best book to celebrate Valentine's Day with my two friends, Ian and Joe. Coming in with hot book recommendations for you. And to help me, our two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. Oh, God. Who is more qualified to talk about love, to talk about romance, than a couple of high school English teachers? Oh, yeah. Nick, my name is Joseph Harvey Holshue. And if you are looking for the best Valentine's Day book, I recommend Mm. The Five Love Languages. International Sensation, 1992, written by a, a dude named Gary Chapman. Who knows a thing or two about love, it must be said. Has he been in love before, you think? (laughs) I don't he he looks I I looked at his picture and he doesn't look like good. This is the segment of the show where Joe judges whether people have been in love Mm -hmm. based on their appearance. Yes. (laughs) My favorite. That's where it starts, guys. Um and Gary Chapman, he does like I think he probably has a lot of like internal merit. How do you have an answer for this? (laughs) I I, guys, I'll I'll just talk about it when when it's my time. Oh, Five love languages. Well, we've silenced Joe with our criticism. I've got it. Okay. You kept saying Gary Chapman, Gary Chapman. And I was thinking about that guy from that soap opera. Charlie Chapman. And Chaplin. then I realized, no, that's Gary, Col- Gary Coleman, who's mm. different. Hey, folks, I'd do anything for love, but mm. I will also tell you about my book this week. It's me, Dr. H.H. DeYoung. I'm a high school English teacher. And a lover and a fighter, apparently. And I'm here to talk about the mm-hmm. devil in the white city and oh. also romance and love. Oh, mm. yeah. Ooh. Brown chicken, brown cow. Mm-hmm. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, 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 <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm, are you guys feeling lovey? I'm not. Um, I, uh, (laughs) feel like Joe, I'm, I've heard of your book. It sounds Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, I've never read it. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, Ian, your book sounds, um, completely unqualified for the week. And I'm just going to keep talking a little bit as Ian kind of finishes chewing his dinner (laughs) in front of all of us. Um, Yeah, the video really has changed the dynamic of this show, right? Like Nick keeps an eye on us. I was incredibly hungry, so I took a huge bite of Italian bread. Um, My book is, well, my book, long ago we decided not to uh, mock people for their funky decisions to bring books on this podcast and not to question, <laughs> does this belong? I did At the not, same time. I don't think anybody agreed to that. <laughs> yeah, we definitely did. <laughs> definitely. That's like one of those international treaties that the U.S. just doesn't sign. Do you guys read love books? Is that a rom? Do you guys read romance books ever? Or do you just kind of stay away from that genre? Mm. Well, um, I think the closest thing I came to reading the romance was when I read Cotillion, the Georgette Heyer uh, nice. book. And that, Nick, it's not a genre I read much of, but that book was great. I would totally read that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for the podcast, I've read more romance than I thought I would. And mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say I seek it out, and especially that kind of like meme-worthy stuff with... with oh, is it? Like the guys without shirts, Fabio, yeah. Yeah, like the, the bottom stripper. <laughs> I wouldn't like seek it out, especially the meme-worthy stuff, but there's some really like 
romance is a fun genre. As I said on on one of those, maybe the higher episode, mm-hmm. it's a fun genre because you know where it's going. It's yeah. it's literally all about how we get there. Do you guys remember when Fabio was on a roller coaster and he got hit in the face with a bird? It, it was. I remember seeing this on the news. Fabio on a roller coaster, a seagull hit him in the face. Are you Jay Leno? I um I um dear God stop. Um <laughs> I would like both of you to send me uh your favorite uh smut book covers. Oh god. So I can post that on social media. I think that that would be good content. I'm sending you some right now. Uh these things Great. are um very uh, pr- provocative. Can I do ones that are from science fiction? Oh, like um, like fan art? No, 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 no. Like there's a like whole furries. There's a no, no. <laughs> there's a whole brand of science fiction that has like um more or less a pinup on the front and yeah. some some monstrous creature clutching her. Oh, like sexy sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's a whole. Yeah. It's like pulp. It's like really pulp. And mm-hmm. oftentimes. The scenarios on the cover of the book don't ever take place in the book. Oh, oh right. Sure. It's like they're unrelated. <laughs> it's like a, a right. movie poster. I'm looking at it. Is this like um, I'm thinking I'm seeing like Barbarella where it's like the 1950s, yep. like sci-fi of the future where there's like, yep. I'll just stop talking. Yeah. Hey, I'll tell you what, though. Like if I was a like if I was a teenage boy who was into like buying Pulp Fiction and this was on my local bookshelf, like I would be reading the startling stories of the shadow man, right? Like, like this is for a dime. It's pretty good. Or even like a, a, like a anybody middle-aged person, Mm -hmm. man or woman, you rip that cover off and all of a sudden it's just a boring book again. Books not (laughs) as good, (laughs) but you know, inside there might be something or maybe You have to read it to find out. Uh, It's the worst part about the books. Yeah. I like the covers. Yeah. I told a student the other day that um, I got into my line of work teaching because I love to read. And the student looked at me and said, dumbfounded. Mm -hmm. You like to read? Right. I said, yeah, yeah, it's great. He's like, but there are so many other things you could do instead. (laughs) Which, hey, fair enough. Did he name any? Well, I didn't want to press him, but right. he probably would have said things like baking, baking, right. um, drinking scotch, raking leaves. <laughs> I think when I was young, Paint. there wasn't that many other things to do besides read. Like it was, it was reading. Because <laughs> well, you Simpsons are demonstrably five hundred years old, Joseph. <laughs> That's interesting, Joe. Do you guys think you you might be the last generation of teachers? <laughs> <laughs> the last generation of book lovers. Uh, oh, yeah. No. Well, I will tell you not to get all like real real life on on you guys, but um, in New Mexico, their teacher shortages are so bad. That the National Guard is being called in to, to staff teach? schools. Uh-oh. Wow. I thought you were going to say that they need to take care of some of the children just to balance out the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> to corral children. Call them? What? Yeah, to call the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the way the society ends. Not with not with a whimper, but with a culling. <laughs> <laughs> the word cull is really like a bad. There is no. It's pretty <laughs> evocative. There's like no good situation in which you use that word. 
I challenge you. Hey, Lidheads. Lidheads. Mm-hmm. This is your lidheads. weekly challenge. Lidheads, this is your weekly challenge. And I'm challenging you here, here now today to use the word culling in a po- with a positive connotation sometime <laughs> in, your content, in your conversation. And I'm going to say, use it either if you work with customers, with a customer. Oh. Or if you don't work with customers, use it with your boss. Welcome, right. Lidheads, to, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call Strongly Podcast, where every week I pick a theme, and Ian and Joe each bring a book recommendation. Uh, and of course, we have some rules to keep us on track, because what fun would it be without rules? Uh, vigorous, rigorous rules. Uh, that will be the last rhyme of the show as well. Um, I don't think it will be. Rule number one. This show is nothing if not rhymy. <laughs> well, it's not rhyme week, guys. <laughs> You're right. Uh, rule number one: uh, only unavoidable spoilers today, gentlemen. I don't, I you know, don't ruin love for us this week, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, rule number two: omit needless oh, words, needless Joseph. Words, Joe. Yes. And rule number three: win- winning isn't everything. It's the only thing that matters here, because of course we will have a winner. Mm-hmm. We will. Are have you guys a winner prepared to win? Right. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. locked and loaded. One of my favorite things, Lidheads, let me just let me just kind of share a little part of my soul with you. One of my favorite things of wow. recording on video with these two fine gentlemen is the look of fear and terror in Nick's eyes <laughs> as, he, as he gets into the rules and he realizes that though you said these literally dozens of times, hmm. he doesn't know what rule number one is. It is. I like if Nick was a student in my class. I would maybe suspect some sort of learning disability or like some sort of retention problem. I'm like, really? Nick, this is episode like 90. Like you have to know this. Right. What do you think that is? Because maybe, maybe I do. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> hey guys, um, I think it would be good. Let's just to talk jump about right into the diagnosis. Um, Nick's learning what? disability episode 90. <laughs> a very special episode. A very special episode. <laughs> um, folks, Lidheads, and especially Nick and Joe, you guys, Ooh. we're coming up on episode 100. 100. <laughs> okay. Joe's just sent, hey, Lidheads, Joe's just sending <laughs> us pictures of Fabio without a shirt on and a bloody nose. I don't know why that came back up. I sent that a long time ago. That was a long, long time ago. Um, we're coming up on 100 episodes, and Lidheads, I want you to know we're going to pull out all the stops. This is going to be... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there's going to be games. There's going to be words of the day. There's going to be checking yeah. in to see what I'll, how I've said yes lately. <laughs> there will be almost no books. <laughs> there, will be, um, there will be a chapter of um, Ooh, chapter Too Many good. Butlers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A chapter wow. of Too Many Butlers read live here on the show, possibly in unison. <laughs> probably not. Okay. Well, Ian's gone rogue and committed us to writing. Uh, let hands, we like, have not discussed this in advance. This might be getting like cut. You can edit this, Nick. Uh, Ian. Yes, Nick. Joseph, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to hear a little uh, taste of your book so I can decide who goes first. Uh, Joseph, do you mind taking 30 seconds to uh, tell me what your book is about? And uh, do it in one of that, uh, those fun ways where you don't tell me anything about the book, but you just tell me about some like weird situation in the book. So when you're Very done talking, detail. I have no clue what the book is about yeah, at all. Uh, your time has started. All right. Nick, falling in love is easy. Staying in the relationship, though, is a little bit tougher. And sometimes it seems right. like you and your partner are just speaking a different language. Well, Nick, this international phenomenon written in 1992 can help you figure out what language 
your wife speaks. It can help you figure out what language you speak, and it can help you figure out how to communicate. It's been insanely influential and successful, sold like 20 million copies, has 350,000 reviews on Goodreads. The King James Bible has 250,000 reviews on Goodreads and a lower rating. Not right. oh my ridiculous. <laughs> He's bringing in the Bible into his 30 seconds. Like, later. Just come on. Oh, um, I was kind of curious when I was looking it up because I'm like, 350,000 reviews seems like a ton. I'm going to compare that to some other things. And I looked up the yeah. King James Bible. I don't know why, but I'm like, yeah, how many does the well Bible reviewed. have? Famously well-reviewed. <laughs> well, and then I was like, wow, it has more than the Bible. I wonder if it has more than Harry Potter. Um, it no, does not. It <laughs> like, does not. No. Not even close. <laughs> uh, Ian, do you want to take 30 seconds? I do. Okay. Happy Valentine's Day, Nick. Oh, happy Joe. Valentine's happy Day, Valentine's guys. Day, Litheads. On this most romantic day of the year, folks, I brought a book about love. Love between husbands and wives, sweethearts and paramours, civic love for one city, infatuation with money, delight in beauty, affection for architecture, both beautiful and murderous. Wow. An oh. attachment to insurance fraud, a passion for death, an ardor for murder, a devotion to dismemberment. I brought the devil in the white city. I feel warm and fuzzy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> devil well, in the White I, City. Nothing says Valentine's yeah. like Devil in the White City. There's like three words that feel cold in that title. Yeah, more in the beginning. I felt warmer in the beginning. Absolutely. And then when he finished with the, the murder part, I was. Yeah, well, feeling warmer in the beginning and gradually getting colder. <clears throat> the same thing happened with his victims. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Acts of love. That's what I like to call them. Not victims. Mm. <laughs> that's getting remade or it's getting made into a movie right um a movie or show leonardo dicaprio yeah i don't know if that movie's still happening um well it there there it was starting supposed to start production in 2018 and then a few things happened globally and it has not yet started production keanu reeves is attached to it apparently yeah, okay that's what i read so it's not gonna have dicaprio um it might but oftentimes it's like it could be leo bought this back in 2010 it could be at the time he thought he was going to be something in it but now it's literally 12 years later and he's like "Ooh, right he gained all that um, covid weight and they're like uh you don't, I don't know about that i just i you know people buy these people buy these rights and then it takes a long time sometimes he might have lost his chance a big part of the this book is the how handsome how hot these guys are and yeah Leo is still attractive, I would say. I'd say so. I don't know. He's not as not as not as much as he used to be. Really? Was, I don't Go know. Go on. Something about his forehead gives me the willies now. Oh, it's too greasy. <laughs> he's got maybe. those like he's got like those fat eyes. You know, like it's like his oh. eyes don't quite open because his <laughs> wow. face is too fat. Wow. That's, I don't. I, I'm not going to co-sign that. <laughs> what a terrible know. conversation path. Let's continue. I don't I don't like his mustache. <laughs> let's, let's compare his looks to Keanu Reeves's now. Right, Keanu Reeves is a tiny. I got a beauty. side by side going right here. Um well um probably get the tone going, Joe. Yeah. I'd like to hear about yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to know the languages of love before we move on. Do you know what I mean? Like we need to start yeah. with a solid foundation. And Joe, right. let, me, let me just kind of caution you here mm -hmm. to to demonstrate mastery of these languages of love. You need to speak them to us. Okay. So uh, if if you're not, yes, the the reckon the reckoning will be swift and bitter. You will be called. All right. All right. <laughs> you will be called. Ian, 
I brought a yep. game this week. Oh, and that means that, Nick, uh, we're going to need your full participation. In you always this, have Nick. my full participation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and your full attention. And maybe oh. a little retention. <laughs> All right, Nick, this game is called Fives, and I totally invented it. This book is called The Five Love Languages. So I okay. got me wondering what other things famously come in groups of fives. Mm. I've collected a bunch of things here. Wow. What I'm going to do, the way this game works, is I'm going to give you those five things. I'm going to give you five items, and you tell me what they have in common. Hell yeah, Joe. Yeah, Joe, it's a good not game. not only am I very excited for this game because I love games, mm-hmm. but this is, I don't believe we've bought, brought a game like this before to the no, show. This so this is, a new, this is a this new game is, type. This is a new game type. So I think the best way to do this, I have a handful of them in front of me here, and I think the best way to do this is to alternate between the two of you. So so I will give one of you the chance to answer. If that person gets it wrong, I will open it up to the other person to answer. And I've got a couple of easy ones to start with so we can get the... So we Who's going to start? Who's going to start? Um, we are going to start, of course, with the person with the best ponytail on the show, and that's going to be Dr. Ian. Right. DeYoung. That makes, I don't even have one. So that makes sense that he, he yeah, won that. No, yeah. he's got the best right. one by far. Good start, I, Ian. I barely have hair. Thank All right. Uh, Ian, your group of yep. five is, and like I said, they're going to start easy. They're going to get tougher. Yeah, I mean, Ian, okay. your group of five is Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Superior. The greatest of lakes. Excellent. Ian, congratulations. You get a five point. Uh, it's only worth one point, you get but it's one called point. a five point. It's very confusing. Uh, Nick, your group of five is Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. Uh, the five boroughs. Uh, absolutely. Five boroughs in New York. Excellent. Okay. You you get a five point. They get a little get bit a tougher point. from here. Ian, your yeah. group of five. Chico, Gummo, Zeppo, Harpo, Groucho. Famously, scholars of Marx, Marxist theory, the Marx Brothers. They are the Marx Brothers. Good job, Ian. Nick. Communists, right? Oh, famous communists. Through. If there had been color film at the time, they, all yeah, their red, things would have been red. Red, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you know the what only I mean. color they I do wore. know what you mean. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Joey. Nick. Bird. Magic. Malone. Jordan. Pippen. Uh, members of the Dream Team? 1992 Dream Team. Nick, take oh, a yeah. five point for yes. yourself. Congratulations. Yes. Well done, Nicholas. Nice. I think we're all done. excited for me. Yep. All right. Dr. DeYoung, baby, scary, sporty, ginger, posh. Spice, spice, baby. Oh, mm, spice, spice, the baby. spice. These are the Spice Girls. Ian, do you know how every once in a while you're talking to your class and you realize there's a massive generational divide between you? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We're not getting any any of our younger listeners with this game. Nope. <laughs> Today, I referenced the Spice Girls shortly after writing this game with my freshman class. Yeah. Nobody in the room knew what the right. Spice Girls were, including... My team teacher, who's a 25-year-old special ed teacher. Well, the only one that's still in the public eye would probably be like Victoria Beckham, but David... David and Victoria are kind of passe. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're past I them. I think she's right? with Leo now. 
No, 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 no. No, because of his eyebrows. Okay. All right. (laughs) Is a woman of class and substance. She is not with Leo. Plus, she's like double the age of anybody that Leonardo DiCaprio dates. One of the Marx brothers was originally named Adolf, and then he changed it to Arthur. Smart. That's 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 really smart. Good call. Good call. All right. I've got just a few of these left and they are the hardest two. Okay. Okay. I've got two left and they're the hardest two. Okay. Um, whose turn is it? It's Nick's. Ooh. All right. Nick, this is going to be tough. Well, actually, maybe not. Uh, Nick, numbers, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Genesis. Books of the Bible, Joe? Yeah. The first five books Pentateuch. of the Bible, maybe called the Torah, depending on, you know, your, your, leanings um all right, can, I Ian. Just, can i just say uh before this beautiful game ends i mm-hmm. like that most of our um you know i think m- most of our games you know like they maybe share some insight about the book but not this one this one has <laughs> oh, nothing to do with the books this is just it's about just fives. there are fives of things Groups yes of, uh, even the points are called fives it's just really <laughs> i love it joe uh, that, absolutely. I believe you guys are tied at three, five points. Each. It's like yep. enough, enough about books already. Let's just do it. This game. is the, Let's this is the, the tiebreaker. And if I oh. miss it, Nick, you can, you can, sni- you snatch it from me. I see. All right. I think you're going to get it. This is like the NFL's overtime rules. Mm. Right. All right. Ian. Exactly. Like <clears> this. Yeah. Profession of faith. Prayer. Giving alms. Fasting. Pilgrimage to Mecca. The five pillars of Islam. Oh my God, Dr. DeYoung, the mm. five pillars of Islam. Well yep. done. There it Nick, is. do you want one last chance to tie it up? I thought we, aren't we tied? No, I'm ahead no, four, three. Ian, Ian is oh, above, but neither of you have missed yet. So Nick, it's right. only fair well. that you get one more. Um, Nick, Worth two five points. Oh, and the chance shoot. to win the game. <laughs> oh, BS. Don't worry, Ian. I'm sure this will end terribly. Keep going, Joe. <laughs> Earth, wind, water, fire, heart. Earth, wind, the, water, the five fire, elements. heart. The fifth <laughs> element. The elements in the fifth element. I, I feel mean, like this might you're be a not, Jeopardy you're not situation. You're really wrong. In the fifth element, those would be kind of the five elements. Yeah, those are the five in the fifth element. I mean, heart, love, but <laughs> a uh, book. more or less, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 Powerpuff like Girls? A, ooh, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Ian, do you, do you have a guess at this one? A stab at this one? Um, Remember, it's not the book that you brought two weeks ago. <laughs> are these are these Avatar The Last Airbender thing? Oh, also really good. Um, I specifically took these from the TV show Captain Planet. Oh, which Captain the, Planet. Yeah, these are the five like kids that run around with special rings that combine. When their powers combine, they form Captain Planet. All right, this that has been fives. Um, Ian, congratulations. You win with four or five points to next three five points. <laughs> Yeah, which I would like to state is total bullshit. Also, uh, just a quick note for our listeners. Um, listeners, just a heads up that, you know, Ian and Joe pretty much get a, a set kind of amount of time each week and they, they spend that however they want. Um, so Joe has chosen to not talk about his book at all and just play a game. OK, well, this brings me to my book. Though. I loved it, Joe. Nick, I've got five love languages for you here. Um, Let's count them up. Those, 
those five love languages are words of affirmation, right? Okay. Do you say do you say nice things? I you love tell, you. I love you. Hey, I really appreciate it. I when love you. Second love language. <laughs> Physical touch. Nice touch. Physical touch. Okay. Step, third that love one's language. harder during COVID. Keep going. Receiving gifts. I guess also giving gifts, but like receiving gifts is the thing that makes you feel loved. Uh, third love language, receiving gifts. Ian and uh, also myself have a look of confusion that yeah. receiving a gift would be a form of, of love. But I right. think we're going to get like, into that. So keep going. Yeah. Uh, number four, quality time. Quality time. Yep, nothing quality to say time. about that one. Number yep, five. I have no jokes. And then number five is going to be acts of service. Acts of service. Now, okay. to be clear, is that referring to uh, acts as in Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax? Or is it acts in terms of like the acts of the apostles? Famous Bible book. <laughs> third, third addition to the stupid question, axe body spray. Oh, right. A lot of really good ones. If I, I gave somebody one, a, a case of Axe bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, I have a question. Um, okay, yes. so I think we've all heard of love languages, et cetera, et cetera. 20 billion mm-hmm. copies sold. Yep, so, 20 trillion copies. Yep. And so here's my question. Now, is this, uh, is it inbound traffic and outbound traffic? So like, is it like, because it has to do with giving and receiving, right? Now, can mm-hmm. these things go both ways? Like, okay. Uh, how does that? How does that work? I, I think I understand your question. Um, wh- I, I couldn't have said it any clearer. Is this book giving us directions on how to talk these love languages mm, or how to decipher okay. like what your own... Yes. Like when people are speaking your love language, mm-hmm. this is what it feels like. For yes, example, okay. Okay. if I... Acts of love, you could, you could get those, but you could also give them. So how does that right. work? Right. Okay, Perfect. You have a love language that resonates the most with you. And yeah. one of the things that, um, that Gary Chapman is very clear about is that he says, well, look, we all like all of these things to some degree, right? Like that makes sense. We all like yeah. receiving gifts. We all like physical touch. We all like acts of love. But one of these is your biggest language. One of these is your primary language. It's, it's, the, it's the language that when people speak to you in, you feel the most loved. One of the jobs here is to say like, one of the purposes of this book, one of the things that this book is good for is it gives you different exercises, it gives you different examples, and it lets you determine what your own love language is. And it like essentially, hey, when people do this to you, do you feel loved? Or what makes you feel the most loved? That's kind of cool and that's kind of interesting. But of course, the real power of this book is reading it with a partner, reading it with your wife and figuring out also or watching as she figures out what her love language is or him or his love language or their love language whatever the case may be figuring out what their love language is and what it does do you guys what i kept thinking of as i was my cat's love language is treats (laughs) yeah absolutely straightforward charlie the dog's love language is scritches right charlie loves scritches Scratches, you mean? No, yes. no, he scratches. He's trying to insert some new vernacular that I don't appreciate. Yeah, strangely enough, my scritches. one-year-old son also likes being scratched on the belly. <laughs> I think it's kind of universal. Yeah, it we does feel like good. Scr- um, so, <laughs> <laughs> listen, Lynette, want all of you. If you take nothing away from this, else away from this episode, go home to your loved ones. Mm-hmm. 
And just <laughs> scratch them on the belly. Sixth option, scratches. If, if you get them in the right spot, they're legal shake. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to try asking this question for the um, uh, third third time. Um, yeah. This time, I think maybe slightly better than the last two oh, um, be rules Fine. of three. So my question is, can you maybe I show love through uh, words, but I appreciate acts more. Okay. We all feel love in a certain way. And one of the things that Gary Chapman talks about is our default way of giving love is the same way that we like to receive love. So okay. for example, like, like Nick, if you feel loved when people do things for you, right? I scratch myself. The, the- <laughs> The way that you're going to show love is by doing things for people. Okay. But what might happen is maybe your wife's doesn't feel loved or like that's not her primary love language, right? Maybe she prefers quality time. Like Mm -hmm. she loves it when you go around and replace all the light switches in the house, Nick, but she would prefer that you sat down and binge watched this latest Netflix documentary with her. Bridgerton. Gotcha. Bridgerton. So I think like, here's the real power of this book. And I, I, and I, I, you know, played this amazing fives game because I, this book doesn't take very long to sum up. Essentially it boils down to this. (laughs) He was vamping. He was filling time. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, essentially it boils down to this. There are certain things that make your partner happier than other things. There are certain things that make your partner feel loved more than other things. Scritches. Do those Mm -hmm. things. Right? Like, like do those things. If you're having a breakdown in communication between the two of you, try to figure out, or I mean, you know, talk to her and figure out like, what is her love language? What is his love language? What are, is their love language? And do those things. I wonder if the, the true genius of this and why it's resonated is it's gotten people listening to and paying attention to their partner's needs. Counterpoint. Maybe this isn't just for love. Maybe it's just these are the ways that humans interact. (laughs) Well, okay. One thing I thought was kind of cool about this and kind of interesting is like when I read this book, um, I I read it entirely through the lens of my wife, right? Like I thought of my wife. I thought of being a husband the entire time I read this. But when I was reading about this book to prepare for the show this week, a lot of people talked about how it really helped them understand their relationship with a parent or a relationship with a child. They're like, oh, I kind of realized that like when I wasn't feeling loved by my mom or when I felt like my mom was being like, was preferring my sister to me, like we just weren't speaking the same language. Like the way I receive love isn't the way that my mom shows love. Mm -hmm. Or that shitty coworker. Or yeah, or that shitty coworker. They show their love <laughs> by passive aggressive comments and leaving hair all over your desk. <laughs> okay. Specific on that one, but Okay. You hey, um, it's everybody's favorite day of the year, President's Day. Are, what what type of sales are, what type of sales are you guys looking out for next mm, week? President's Day sales. Yeah. Are you guys gonna get a couch or a refrigerator or a chair? I've had my eye on uh, this TV? anvil. The anvil store nearby has a lot of good anvils, and there's one that will. Oh, anvil goodness. Emporium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they have branches everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. 
I mean, West of the Rockies, West of the Rockies, it's referred to as Anvil Emporium, but same thing. Anyway, they've got mm-hmm. one with the, where the curves are just like, so I am, I think they're doing a, a 95% off sale. I'm, I'm going all in. 95% wow. yeah. off. Just they like our forefathers envisioned. Yeah. Oh yeah. They were, I mean, they intended. So next week I'm thinking we can dig into uh, the intent of our, our forefathers. <laughs> you bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, for President's Day. Maybe you guys could bring me a book about um, what, what the fuck they were thinking. <laughs> Is that the official theme? (laughs) Well, Nick, I have a president book for you. It's funny. It's sad. It's surprising. It's about Lincoln in the Tibetan Buddhist afterlife, written by George Saunders. It's a book called Lincoln in the Bardo. And if you don't know what a Bardo is... Neither, neither did I, and I. It's not a bedroom. I thought it was a bedroom when I read this book. Um, It's not a bedroom. I would like to bring a deal of a book. It's called. So you're you're doing Lincoln. I got to go the other direction. Mm-hmm. Ian I brought do, a coupon book. I got. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do George Washington. I'm going to bring a novel entitled Finding George Washington: Colon A Time Travel Tale. So oh. George Washington is a time traveler, and then there's also baseball, apparently. And oh. it's kind of a Bill and Ted, as far as I can tell. Haven't read the book. Does he hunt vampires? No, no. I was going to bring Abraham Lincoln, that would vampire be good hunter. Too, but yeah. Joseph stole Lincoln, so I got to talk about George Washington and well. baseball. So now that we know the love languages. Ian, I'm thinking this will help with mm. your book a little Absolutely. bit because it sounds like you really get into maybe just the meaning of, you know, love yeah. and life yeah, and right. laughing and living and loving. Yeah, devils. for sure. And I think it really devils. Love, love depends on who you are. And if you're kind of one one person, this this book puts forward love is sacrifice. Love is hard work. Love is, you know, there's passion and there's inspiration. Passion. And then mm-hmm, for other mm-hmm. people... It's yeah. um, putting, putting, building a an airtight um, vault and then shutting mm-hmm. young women inside of it until they, right until oh, they strangle. Take my breath away. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> what what's love got to do with it? Well, oh my god, this psychopath ended up putting people in a furnace and then burying their ashes. He loved so do you doing want it. To explain why you brought this book, yeah, right. Doesn't seem it's, like it's that much about I'd, love. I'd like to hear. <laughs> It seems like it's kind of about murder. <laughs> yeah, it does feel a little bit more about murder than love, but I am interested in uh, hearing your convoluted uh, path. Mm. Rationale. It's very simple. Rationale, yeah. It's Thank very you. simple. Okay. This is a cautionary tale not to love too much and also... I love it. Avoid... I love it. Of, yeah, there right. you go. See, and you're, you're at risk, Nick, of loving... Now I'm in. <laughs> yeah. All right, protect us. Protect so, us from not love. <laughs> right. Um, uh, Ian, what do we has, need to know? I've, uh, it's been said many times on this, on this podcast, this book mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. multiple different plot lines. <laughs> right? It's one of the things we yeah. do. Tale is all this time. Um, so there's one kind of, he, he tells his story, Eric Larson, the author, uh, journalist, um, researcher, best-selling. This is a New York Times bestseller. Um, he, he, he kind of weaves these two threads together. Uh, one thread is the building and carrying out of the world's fair in the Columbian exposition in Chicago in 1893. And the other is a serial killer doing his serial, serial killer thing. Um, just a few blocks away from the world's fair 
same time. So um, they're very different. And um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, uh, since since uh, the love language I value is um, mm. uh, having choices, I'm going to give you guys mm-hmm. the choice. I'm going to assume that that's the same for you. Which would you like to hear about first? The World's Fair or the Murder Castle? <clears throat> so I teach next door to a teacher that I like a whole bunch. Oh, boy. Uh, Where is this going? He, he, he teaches this book, right? Okay, he he okay. teaches this book really? every year. But In when he grade? teaches it, he's like, sixth hey, grade, third grade. grade. I did not wow. say sixth grade. That's it's juniors crazy. and seniors What's in his high name? school. Let's he dox teaches him. this book too. <laughs> 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 oh. But he teaches this book. And he told me once that when he teaches it, the kids don't really like the World's Fair chapters that much, but they really like the serial killer chapters. So when he runs out of time at the end of the year, he only has them read the serial killer chapters. Interesting. This sounds like a terrible teacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he listens to the show, Ben. I think you're a great teacher, man. Oh, damn, doxed. <laughs> uh, this is really interesting um, because I came into this expecting uh, just all serial killer all the time. And then I was like, wait, what? There's a World's Fair? Pfft. Oh, and I didn't <laughs> think like I would. Half of this 400 page book. I didn't think I would like the World's Fair stuff, but I, he does. A, he's a really good writer. It's very engaging. And I got in, caught up in the drama of the World's Fair, possibly because I'm a fuddy duddy. I'm a stick in the mud. I'm, I'm a geezer. I like it. Break it up a little bit. Also, who doesn't love to learn about what's going on with those World's Fair? Like, what were they mm-hmm. doing? What? Yeah. Well, it, it, World's why, fairs, aren't they, why don't they exist anymore? What are well, they, they do capture the imagination. Like when you hear about World's Fairs, you're like, that seems really cool. Yeah. How did they, they stop it? Like I would love all to go the to people Fair. in there. The whole From the world. The world. <laughs> <laughs> That's the world. Oh, that was it. Okay. okay. Wow. Good one. Um, um, so thank you. So, yeah. um, uh, so what do you want to hear? The ant- yeah. I mean, murder sounds pretty fun. Let's start there. Okay. I murder. Like so, do you think, or should we set up a nice foundation? Yeah, let's set up a foundation. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's yeah, set up a foundation with the world. Yeah. Yeah. Start, start big, get small. So, um, the yeah. world's fair, um, there, there was kind of the, one of, one of the first world's fairs was in London. And then the, there's a huge one, like the, the gold standard was in Paris at Paris, as they say, as ZZ top would say, how, 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 how anyway, <laughs> um, wow. So Paris was the gold standard. And then after Paris, everyone was like, oh, okay, well, I guess we have to do these because this is a big, a big way you kind of announce yourself as a country on the scene. But this is hard. Um, There are big, there are competitions between countries who could be the best world's fair, who have the best world's fair. And Mm. uh, when the U.S. was going to do one, there was a big competition between various cities. So there were four cities that were kind of finalists. Um, Washington, D.C., which makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. New York City. Makes sense. A lot of sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. Oh, this is the yeah. 1880s. So okay. the U.S. So far, is stretches from sea sense. to shining sea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, two for two. So we got Washington. We got New York City. We got Chicago. And yeah. Chicago second is city. recently the second largest, uh, um, according to census, the second largest city in the country. And what do you think? What do you think the fourth city was? Mm, what year? What year? 80, like 85, 87. Okay. 18, 18, 1885, 18, yeah, 1880s, 1880s, late 1880s. I think it's where it happened. I'm, I'm recalling my Simpsons knowledge here, which is my only exposure to the world's fair. It might be in show. Put that on the map. <laughs> um, man, I want to say it's Tennessee. Ooh, like Knoxville or something like that. Um, Tennessee. Okay. World's I'm going to say yeah, Tennessee somewhere. 
Okay, 1880s. Uh, I'm going to say St. Louis. Yeah, St. it was St. Louis. And apparently, shit, apparently everyone like everyone's like, oh, yeah, totally New York. Totally. That makes sense. Everyone's like, yeah, totally um, D.C. Yeah, Chicago. Totally. And then when St. Louis put their name in the running, everyone was like, oh, you're so cute. Oh, no. St. Louis, I feel like, like St. Louis isn't horrible. Like that had to be like, like I know it was like Gold Rush 1849, stuff like that. But like 1880s, St. Louis basically had to be like the western reaches of the United States, wasn't it? Or is well, that San crazy? Francisco was, was getting big by then, but. 1980 Mr. California 1980 okay so it went to it went to Chicago and there was like all kinds of drama and I'm not going to go into it because that's like that's part of the joy of reading this book and I think I think maybe Larson plays it up a little bit but there was a lot of stuff that went into this basically they built a whole kind of model city complete with landscaping electric boats huge kind of sort of fake buildings um, I bet there was a lot of like electric things, like as many yes, things they yes. can make electric. Yeah. Oh, they absolutely. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of stuff, that, a lot of stuff kind of the, the uh, challenges. They built this up in uh, over the course of about two years, um, which when you think about like the Olympics now, this is. I, yeah, I, think I was going to say this feels like the Olympics. Yeah, but totally like the Olympics. you don't you don't build your Olympic setup in two years. You build it in like 10 years. So Joe, does this feel like the Olympics to you? It does feel like the Olympics yeah, to me. It's yes, like, yeah, it's like the Olympics. Ian, this is feeling like the Olympics to us. I think yeah, it's, people it's, bid for it. Yeah, right? like, it is. Even when it goes to the United States, there's like, well, what city's going to get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Major like boost to the economy. Mm. Yeah. And the I'm not sure if we, you've covered that yet, Ian. A big part of it, because at this time, they were just, as they were kind of putting the finishing touches on the, the fair, the economy mm-hmm. was just starting to tip Everybody over. Got murdered. <laughs> no, not quite. The economy got murdered, though. That was like the beginnings of a recession. So as oh, no. sure. as they're like kind of cresting the 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 slope into um uh now we're gonna do this thing. Everyone's losing their money. Banks are failing and stuff. And it's like, oh, we've built this huge thing. Will they come? They did. Spoiler. Um. So there's a lot of stuff going on in this section. Uh, we've got kind of our main figure, the architect who ends up being in charge of it, Daniel Burnham, and. And he, there are accidents, there's an assassination, there's a Ian, sims, can I pause sabotage. you for a second here? Yeah. Uh, this book is 100% nonfiction, correct? It is. Yeah. So okay. he, he That's takes, pretty cool. he takes, uh, he makes like it clear in the beginning of the book, if it's in quotation marks, these are exact words. And if it's not in quotation marks, I have done my level best to explain like where, <laughs> where it came seem from. good enough. <laughs> It's, it's not a quotation marks. I, mean, I do my best every week on this show and I know that's not good enough. <laughs> Let me here's here's what he said. Here's what he says about about his process. Um, and then we'll we'll get back to the fair. He says, okay, I do the, not but also the murdering. Yeah, well, no, we don't worry. We'll get to the murdering. Okay. So cool. he writes this, he publishes this in 2003. He says, I do not employ researchers, nor did I conduct any primary research using the internet. I need physical contact with my sources and there's only one way to get it. To me, every trip to a library or archive is like a small detective story. There are always little moments on such trips when the past flares to life like a match in the darkness. And then for the end of this quote, I got to give you background. Um, Then he says, but I was born in the dark. (laughs) So sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. So he, one of the subplots is the assassination and the assassin uh, writes these creepy postcards to various people uh, in pencil. Classic assassin. Classic assassin yep. situation. 
Mm-hmm. He says, on one visit to the Chicago Historical Society, I found the actual notes that the assassins sent. I saw how deeply the pencil dug into the paper. Oh, it's a good detail. Wait, I have a question. Wait, assassin? Yeah. Is that what we're referring to the murderer as? No. There's a lot of death. Workers dying. Oh, wait, so there's an assassin There's an additional assassin? There's an assassin. Yeah. So we, we're, we're introduced to him early, and then... And then uh, Larson does a really good job of foreshadowing. He's like, he throws something in. He's like, this began the long train of events, which would lead to tragedy one hot August night. And then like, he kind of throws in more things like the assassins kind of like having mental illness issues and yeah. getting more and more paranoid and building up to. So there is a climactic event where he does his assassination and it's like a climax of a novel. It's, it's a big deal. It's really cool. The fair is where PBR gets its blue ribbon you know pbr paps blue oh it, it, it won, wins it. it wait yeah it, paps blue ribbon it, is called paps blue ribbon because it actually won a blue ribbon at the chicago yes, world's fair yes I, and then that's amazing ever after they called it pbr um this is where shredded wheat first was eaten and people were like it's gross <laughs> <laughs> they hated it this is where the first the first moving sidewalk was it was the first and last time people were excited about shredded wheat mm-hmm. and this was the first ferris wheel the first Ferris wheel was built at the Chicago World's Fair because they're part of the one of the subplots is this quest to to out Eiffel Eiffel. The French exhibition oh, had the Eiffel Tower and everyone's like, Ferris, oh, Ferris. Dang, so good. It's a monument. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's an engineering yeah. triumph. And Burnham, our kind of our, our leader of, of the fair is like, we have to get out Eiffel Eiffel. So they brought in Eiffel and Eiffel yeah. was like, I can make you a bigger Eiffel Tower. And they're like, no, we don't want that. We want something different. And this guy who who uh, Fer- Ferris uh, mm-hmm. said, "Let me try this thing," and they're like, mm, "It's gonna fall this over," was and it didn't. Mister Eiffel and Mister Ferris. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, both named after the creators. Yeah, pretty great, huh? Okay, let me tell you guys quickly about murder. Okay. Um. So this murder castle. Okay, can we talk about the murder castle? God, I, I've been waiting my whole life okay. to hear about this murder case. All right, so there's Sounds this good. there's this guy, and he uses the uh, the alias H H Holmes. Hey, Ian. Hey, we've waited so long to talk about the murder castle. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio wouldn't even date it anymore. It's too old. <laughs> oh, come Ooh. on. Poor Leo. This week, we're alienating Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, he's that crying was- into a bag of money. <laughs> surprisingly absorbent um so fat little eye <laughs> <laughs> no tears are falling out of those eyes so there was this dude from the east coast his name was herman mudget <laughs> no. okay it's not great okay so this no wonder thing. he became a serial killer he's incredibly he's incredibly attractive he's very manipulative he's intelligent mm. he's he's great right he's a, he's your classic winsome he overcame his name winsome psychopath he Sorry, somehow that realized that the name mudget was not designed to invite people to love him um right it's kind of sounds like mud <laughs> and budget yeah. neither of which are good things oh, right so he changed his name he he used the alias H.H. Uh, H. Holmes. He calls himself Holmes. Much better. Um, mm-hmm. This guy may have been just a really good con man or probably more likely was an absolute psychopath who was totally cool with murdering people. Just 
all the time. He was he was really good and really invested in kind of like making himself money and not paying for things. He didn't like to pay for things. So he would Who does? buy something on credit yeah. and then just run away. He built He'd these complex like sales. structures, false names, fake passports and things to do insurance fraud to um uh buy buildings and things he just he he had workers building uh building for him and and when they would ask him for money he would get angry and fire them and then they wouldn't he wouldn't pay them he was really good at just kicking the can down the road and his deal was he liked he seems to have liked murdering um in specific (laughs) ways like suffocation a lot of suffocation Mm -hmm. uh and there is some evidence that it was kind of like a, a compulsion for him like kind of a um, what do they call it? Pathology. Yeah, it was a pathology. Mm. Um, so he built this hotel near the fair, a couple of blocks away from the fair, and it had all kinds of things like specially designed to make murdering easier. So there was the aforementioned airtight vault where he could put people in it and then shut the door and then listen to them scream. He seems especially to have victimized women, and this is also why I'm bringing this this week. Um, Men and women lit heads all as you go out on on Valentine's Day, mon- Monday night, this Valentine's Day night. Maybe you're maybe you're single. You're, you're ready to mingle. Maybe you're last. Don't mingle with the serial killer because they're bad. news. No. But the I thing is, the is love. they're so charming. Yeah, like you're going to think right? it's like, oh, this isn't a serial killer. This guy's handsome. Yep. This isn't a serial right. killer. This guy's suave. Yeah. Right. But that's the, that's the thing about serial killers. Debonair. So he seduced a bunch of women and he stole their stuff and he murdered them and he burned them or he chopped them Ugh. up and gave them to colleges. Apparently colleges really needed bodies at this time for research. Mm. And so he was yeah. just like, Hey, you need Still some bodies. Do. And they're like, yeah, totally. Let's get, get, let's get some skeletons up in here. Um, yeah. and he, uh, he had like special things built in the special, like additions built in the, in the murder castle to dispose of these bodies. So when they, when they went into the murder castle after he was kind of caught, um, they found the furnace that he used to dispose of, of people. Which I'm is, looking, I'm looking at, there's a map. Hell yeah. There's murder like castles? maps of the murder castle. Also, this Valentine's Day, guys, stay away from murder castles. Yeah, it's I mean, you might be like, oh, it's really a little bit spooky, dangerous. a little bit spooky, but don't don't go in. It's not no, it's not ever just, romantic. Get murdered, um, the thing about the murder castle and I think part of what contributes to its thing, it's 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 draw is that it was burned down after he was busted. Oh. After people like kind of figured out, oh, this guy is a liar and a, a serial killer. They went to his murder castle. They did some research, excavated some body parts, started identifying victims. And then an unknown arsonist busted in and burned the building down before it could be fully like researched. So interesting. You can't like we don't actually know fully what it looked like. The extent of this murder yeah, castle. Hey, right. can we just talk about quickly? Um, first off, I'm glad we spent more time talking about the World's Fair. Secondly, um, man, it must have been just so easy to kill people in the 1800s, right. huh? Right. Well, I mean, yeah. you just, you just, no he DNA had a house evidence. dedicated to it yeah. and he got away with it for who knows years. how long. Years. Yeah. Right. Years. right. And, and he was, I think this is like the power of being an attractive, rich looking mm-hmm. white guy in the 1890s. I'm serious though. He was like, like, Hey, that's a superpower. No matter what decade you go to like attractive, rich, good looking white guy. Yeah. Congratulations. You're basically Superman. 
who was also powerful and white. And he had this he had this web of lies. Also so from like, a different planet and still powerful and white. Those okay, are the, the five elements that that, that uh, factor in. Attractive. <laughs> Rich. Let's list them. Great hair. Um, Come on, other two white men. Let's list them. (laughs) Ian, please. Yeah. So he wrap it up here. Yeah, yeah, I'll wrap it up. He um he uh ended up kind of he he built this web of lies where he would say, oh yes, these the cops would come and they would be like, hey, have you heard of this person they were last seen kind of hanging around you? Oh yeah, totally. Uh, they went off on a trip to Europe with so and so, and the the kicker was the name he would give for so and so was somebody he had previously murdered. Oh boy, uh, that's really smart. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was he was good <laughs> at wrapping up loose ends. Uh, eventually, he got he kind of left the murder castle thing and just sort of. Um, he killed his his partner, um, his buddy who had helped him do all the crimes, and abducted the kids, the partner's kids, cool. and carted them around the Midwest, and then eventually murdered them. And you're gonna have to read the book to find out if he got justice, because I'm not gonna tell you. Litheads, happy Valentine's Day! <laughs> happy Valentine's Day! Yeah, what? A, this is Love Week. I know. Yeah, yeah it's a Nick, cautionary tale about love. Nick, before you make your decision, I would only like to point out that this is love week. <laughs> it's honestly your best argument, Joe. <laughs> you know, on the one hand, Joe... Uh, pretty dope game. Yeah, nail on the head, out of the park an additional expression as a a third thing. Um, Honk, honk. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I think I already got what your book is all about. Well, well, maybe. uh, Joe, you lose. uh, Ian, just like you said, we don't know how this ends. I mean, this guy still might be alive. So we got, I got to read this book and figure out what's going on here. You do. Plus it's Valentine's day. And I think I would love this book. I think I really, I, I think it, it checks a lot of the boxes. It's, it's kind of that new journalism, you know, very, very engaging. Yeah. That's right up my alley. Yep. Yeah. What, what is it called? It's called the devil in the white city. Oh. The devil is this murderer and the white city is the world's fair. Look at that. Towards the end of his life, he believed he was uh, mutating into the devil, like actual yeah, Satan. Just relax. Okay, your you already won. There. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. All right, uh, Litheads, we hope you had a ha- uh, we hope you have a happy Valentine's Day, and we hope that you have somebody that you can swap cute little Valentines with. This is what you, Lithead, This is what I want you to do: find a book that you love, Lithead. Open up the front cover, write a note inside of it. Just write a note about what you love about this book, what you love about the person that you're going to give it to. Close that front cover, hand it to the person, and then open that front cover back up and say. Follow You Don't Know Lit on social mm, media. Mm-hmm, it's available mm-hmm, everywhere, mm-hmm. right? You don't know litpodcast.com. Uh, you can suggest a theme. We read everything that you send us. Uh, you can suggest, suggest a theme. You can suggest a book. We, I, I have nothing else I, to I say. I have a poem. I have a poem here, actually, which I wrote. Mm, Sh- uh, roses are red. Violets are mm. blue. Sugar is sweet. Lit don't yeah. know you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Ian, congratulations. A strong finish. (laughs) Poetry. By all parties. All right. Litheads, we'll see you next week. Ian, your quote. My quote. In Chicago at the end of the 19th century, amid the smoke of industry and the clatter of trains, 
There lived two men, both handsome, both blue-eyed, and both unusually adept at their chosen skills. Each embodied an element of the great dynamic that characterized the rush of America toward the 20th century. One was an architect, the builder of many of America's most important structures, among them the Flatiron Building in New York and Union Station in Washington, D.C. The other was a murderer, one of the most prolific in history and harbinger of an American archetype, the urban serial killer. Although the two never met, at least not formally, their fates were linked by a single magical event, one largely fallen from modern recollection, but that in its time was considered to possess a transformative power nearly equal to that of the Civil War. Beneath the gore and smoke and loam, this book is about the evanescence of life and why some men chose to fill their brief allotment of time engaging the impossible, others in the manufacture of sorrow. In the end, it's a story of the ineluctable conflict between good and evil, daylight and darkness, the white city and the black.